Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about, you know, the city's passed a little resolution. You may have heard about it. It's basically encouraging people to consider wearing masks. But it's not a mandate. So that's kind of what we're doing. If you want to know how we make our decisions, scriptures that we use, Romans 13 and 14, talks about honoring the powers that be. Um, and so we think that's important. Why? Because we know God's going to bless us and show up in his presence like he did this morning. Saying, oh man, I can trust you guys to do stuff you don't love to do. We know that there's limits to that. Uh, we won't do that over the gospel, but we will do it over, you know, a face covering. So that said, also in 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, and we're going to talk about that for just one second. That's a really guiding space for us to know what to do. The other thing is we pray with the elders. The elders, we, were, we used base camp or blown up base camp for the last couple of days, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? With this thing that's got a resolution that got passed. And so I, I felt to read a scripture this morning. This isn't the message. This is just a, a pre-commercial uh, or something. But I, I actually felt this pastoral need, you know, in, in the gig here. Uh, this, there's this shepherding that's necessary through these moments. And, and, and God sets up these things. As much of a goofball I am, and, and if you really don't know, ask my wife Kelly. She can tell you, yes. He's, he's a, he's a ride. It's, it's, <laughs> guile's up, guile's down, you know, it's, um, but, but the Lord has put me on display in all my brokenness. If he can do stuff in me and heal me, he can do it for you too, man. Um, that, that we need to guide through this moment. And so Paul wrote this letter. Here's what makes me so happy about the New Testament is that most of it was written because things were going badly in the church. That should encourage us. Most of the New Testament, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, wrote 13 letters, and most of them were because something was going badly. There was only about two that he wrote just to say, here's what I'm thinking, like Romans and Ephesians. The rest of them are like, okay. Like in Corinth, one of the guys was sleeping with his mother-in-law. You know, so he was like, I just want to be like the early church. I don't know. I remember Susan Seeley saying once, like, the church was probably like 60 people. How awkward was it when they were reading Paul's letter and they're all like. <laughs> Talk about an elephant in the room, right? <laughs> so, so particularly the church at Corinth, they had like gifts going on. They had prophecy happening. They had tongues happening. They had all this cool stuff happening. But there were divisions in the church over issues. And there were a number of different issues. And so Paul comes out and he just says this. And I'm reading in the NLT. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we leaders in the church are, we're just, we're, we're, we're using Jesus' credit card. It's, it's his authority, right? But by the authority of Jesus, I urge you, appeal to you to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. Now, here's what's interesting. What Paul didn't say is have the same opinions about everything. He's saying, hey, united in thought and purpose, why are we here? What are we about? 
And so I'm going to read a passage. One of the divisions they had was about uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols, something most of us deal with on a daily basis. It hits home for me. Right? I mean, we were like, what? You know, well, there are people that had literally for a while, they would sacrifice food to idols. Then you eat it in the presence of the idol. And it's kind of the way you worship. And Paul's like, idols are nothing. It's just a rock. I love how Sam was singing it. You know, that idols, idols themselves can't see God. That's awesome. You know, they're nothing. But man, when someone's conscience is still kind of getting out of that, uh, it was hard for them. It's like, I shouldn't eat that food. But Paul's like, I know it's not a big deal for you guys. For some of you guys, it's a real big problem. And so, so he addresses it. So what, I'm going to read a passage of how he's addressing food sacrificed to idols. But everywhere it says food sacrificed to idols, I want you to insert COVID, masks, and vaccination. I'm serious. So everywhere you see in here, it says food sacrifice to idols. Oh, that's silly. Insert COVID, masks, and vaccinations. Okay? Okay. Now, regarding your question about food that's been offered to idols, COVID, masks, and said, yeah. We know that we all have knowledge about this issue. I love the scriptures. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Uh, this, just, this is Paul. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. He, now I skipped ahead to verse 9. But you must be careful so that your freedom, whatever your freedom is. I don't really care which freedom it is, by the way. Whether you think vax or no vax or master, I, I don't really care. It's not the point here. You must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, COVID, vaccination, masks, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience? By COVID, masks, vaccination. So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers... By encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. We're the body of Jesus. So he's calling us to live in harmony. So we don't actually end up sinning against Jesus himself. Paul goes on to say, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. I'm free. I know. I know what I'm talking about. But not everything is good for you. It's not always great to exercise your freedom. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything's beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Now, I know right now, the temptation is, and if you were thinking of the good of others, you would have my position. Remember, this is... Think of the opposite, and that's addressed to you. Does it make sense? Okay. So whether you eat or drink to idols, whether you wear a mask or not, get vaccinated or not, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
to show off what God is like, to show others the excellencies of his nature and what it looks like to be in harmony with the one who can set our inward world right, where we can forgive one another and lay down our rights to one another. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I try to, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Hopefully that's fairly self-explanatory. I think it's really important. Guys, I, I, I will say this pastoral. I've been a little bit concerned. But I've heard about some conversations and maybe some some dueling on Facebook that doesn't taste like the character of Jesus. Guys, stop it. Okay? Stop it. Okay? We want to look like Jesus. I don't even listen to the both sides because there's so much freaking information. I need a doctorate in about seven different subjects to know what's going on. But this is really simple. I can I can understand this part. You know what I'm saying? So now I know that those there's always sensitive people that like are really thinking about this. It's the altar call syndrome. When you give an altar call, all the people that don't need it come. You know, it's like, I think I need to get saved again. Here I go. And then there's others like, it has nothing to do with me. You're like, you're the guy, man. You are the guy. So you're like, this has nothing to do with me. It probably has everything to do with you. Okay? All right. All right. Enough of that. We want to be a, a place. What if there's one safe space where you can be free of judgment, but also lay down your rights to love others? This is hard stuff, guys. But that's why I believe in Jesus. He can do things in us that nobody else can. That's I believe why I believe he's the one God. That's why Jesus says, you'll know that they're my disciples by the way you love one another. Because nobody without God could do that. Make sense? Okay, moving along. Deep breath. Everybody okay? Make it? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Okay. So at the beginning of this year, we talked about what do I want? We talked, we said, I want Jesus' life. I, I, if, if I had to imagine anything and looking through the scriptures, looking through the problems in the world, looking through whatever you can imagine, this is the gospel. I want to have the life that Jesus had. But we, to have Jesus' life, we have to live Jesus' lifestyle. Well, there's choices we can make. And so for six months now, we've been talking about prayer. I didn't realize it was going on that long, but it was. And so uh, we're, we're done today. We, we've been doing it out of Matthew 6, 5 through 13, Jesus' central teachings on prayer. You can also see this division in a book a friend of ours wrote called, uh, uh, he's called Pete Gregg, and his book's called How to Pray, where we, we, the first part of that teaching, we pause in prayer. The second part, we rejoice. You can see this kind of movement through Jesus' prayer, right? We pause, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We say how awesome he is. Then we ask. And then we yield to him, right? And we talked about different ways to do that when pausing. Some of us, for the first time in a long time, got silent. 
I've been hearing such exciting things about how God's been changing us through our prayer lives. That we've been noticing and refocusing. Remember we talked about having a gap between stimulus and response? Some of you guys have saved a few uh, nights out on the couch through this. Through between stimulus and response saying, I'm going to pause with the Lord right now before I say what I think I should, right? This is one way we can pray. We've been talking, in Rejoice, we talked about praying the Psalms, writing the Psalms. Some of you guys wrote unbelievable Psalms. We're gorgeous. We've talked about asking intercession, staying, abiding in Jesus, hearing what Jesus is saying and asking what he wants us to ask and repentance and forgiveness. And then we've been talking a little while about yield, that's listening, trusting and obeying God relinquishing, relinquishing things to God. We've been asked to stop saying that, please. But we're not going to. That was kind of a joke, you know, because the person said it jokingly. Can you please stop this? This is hard. Uh, but it's the road to freedom. And we talked about listening to God together. And last week, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. We talked about prophecy, which, by the way, thank you, everybody who came up to share Um that you sense, sense the Lord is saying, I, I'm always encouraged when there's a lot of people coming because I know that means the Holy Spirit's really working in the room. We're all going, whoo, God's saying something, whoo, God's saying something, like, whoo, this is good. So thank you for having the courage to do that. We know we can't do them all in the service. That's why we do the filter, but we, uh, we just, ah, it's so beautiful. Don't stop. So what do we do from here? Let's just keep on praying, right? Just keep praying. Um, we're going to, and what we're going to do today is do a little shift on a, a family matter for Believer's Church. And it's specifically uh, to talk briefly about how we do leadership here. There's a reason why. The first one is church leadership is God's idea, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing in our culture um, because, um, I don't know, most everything's kind of opt-in in our culture. You know, you know what I mean? But you know what I mean by that, right? It's, you know, it's kind of like all of life is our buffet, you know? And, and see, here's what's tricky about church leadership. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says about their church leaders, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. <laughs> That's fun. Because they watch over you as those, now here's the deal, as those who must give an account. Whoa. It's a deal, man. Do this so the work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. We are all aware, I would say, probably of misuses of religious authority. Anybody notice things like that at times? Right? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want it in his church. Right? And has anyone here misused your car? That's a, maybe it's a bad analogy because maybe we should get rid of cars, right? But there's things that are very good we can misuse. That doesn't mean we throw them out. It means there's a way to do it that looks differently. And, and so here's one of the things I'd say, and this is kind of one of the hard things that I don't love, believe it or not, addressing like the COVID and things like that and, and pushing a little stronger because it's not a lot of fun uh, for me. And, and it also makes all of us say, who's he? Are you going to tell me what to do? No, I'm not, really. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to obey Jesus, okay? 
And your submission to that is really submission to Jesus, but we actually do this. Paul says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another, therefore, out of reverence for Jesus. So does it mean I'm a better Christian? No, I'm looking at Mike Arndt. Mike Arndt, better Christian than me. Tim Cameron, better Christian than me. Anna Mae is an angel. She flies here. <laughs> These guys know Jesus better than me. But for whatever reason, he's got me in this spot that's been confirmed to, to say, okay, I'm going to speak and I want you to submit to this. Why? It's for your growth in Jesus. Does that make sense? So, so I'm saying that, that's weird. If you don't want to submit here, that's awesome. Don't submit somewhere. Does that make sense? I say it this way, and this is something I take very serious for myself. If nobody can tell you no, you're in danger. Does that make sense? If nobody can tell you no, you're in danger to say, because otherwise we're opt in everywhere and you realize I'm my own authority all the time. So I submit to our elders. I submit to my spiritual director, Mike Eddins. I, I, I submit to my dear friends and the elders who will tell me things I don't want to hear. Why? Because I, I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I know how dumb I can be. Does that make sense? So it's okay if you don't want to submit like, oh, we don't like the way Believer's Church does it. Good. Just go somewhere else and say, I'm going to stay right here and do stuff I even don't want to do. Out of submission to Jesus, because he forms us when we give up always having to have our own way. Does it make sense? It's, wow. I was dreading this morning and I'm getting hand claps. I didn't see that coming at all. So, all right. So, Today we have a couple new elder candidates to be part of our elders. Now this is a really important thing for us. That's why you have a role in the process. That's why I'm telling you about it. So we tell you about our leadership, how it's wired, because you have a role in the process. Also, if you're submitting to a church leadership, it's kind of nice to know who's involved and how does it go down, right? you kind of like to know that, wouldn't you? All right, well, at least I would. Maybe some of you don't care. but So we hope we're basing this on the New Testament I'm not going to go through all these texts because it's a little outrageous. Um, <laughs> we're going to read each one of these and talk about them. Uh, but there are different roles of leadership we can see in the New Testament. So there's an apostle, there's a prophet, there's an evangelist that we see there's pastor or shepherd. It can be translated either way. As you know, the word pastor really only shows up in the Bible once. That's in Ephesians 4.11. It doesn't have to be translated as pastor. It can be translated as shepherd. We also see teachers. We see an elder or overseer. They use interchangeably. And deacon. So those are the roles that we see in the New Testament. And if you look at those roles, there's some that are global. In other words, they work from church to church, outside of the church. So that typically seems to be apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, I don't know. It's hard to know. What I love about the New Testament is they're just not really hung up on really hard categories about this stuff. It's kind of like, well, we gift them for that, but most importantly, they have character for it. So let's let's let them do it. it but generally speaking, we see elders are always focused on the local, pastor, teacher as well, and then deacons. So, but there's some principles we see in the New Testament about leadership. Three things. The first one is this: we see team a lot. 
We, we, we do see there's a leader often, but almost never are they divorced from a team. We even see this with Jesus. Think about it. Jesus spent his whole time discipling his disciples to pass on. Even Jesus, who was the, you know, could have a Messiah complex. Didn't. He, he, he worked within a team environment. Paul, Paul, I think the list is like 120 some people Paul worked with. He mentioned at the end of his letters. And then we see that the local churches in the New Testament always, you never see the word elder in a singular uh, reference. It's always elders. Um, so we, we believe very strongly that we get the joy of working in team. If you've ever worked in a team, you realize it's actually harder to do it. Because you have to work with people and their opinions, right? But it's it. The, the point is, in it, God makes us like Jesus, which is the point. It's more the point that we get transformed to image Jesus than even get stuff done. Does it make sense? Um, so, team. Another principle we see and believe strong is men and women together in leadership in the New Testament. So, guys. Every one of those roles I just talked about, we see females doing in the New Testament. You have to know what you're looking at. But you really can see females doing that in every single one of those roles. Paul's got some confusing words about women. But the best we can tell, is those are specific to weird things going on in those churches at the time. I'd love to go down that trail with you. There's a really good uh, way to look at it. Gordon Fee is a great uh, resource for that. And if case anybody wants to go take a deep dive on that. But... I'm not going to do that this morning. And then so the idea is this, that men and women are different, wonderfully different, but equal in both value and leadership slash ministry eligibility in God's kingdom. Okay? So so that's, if you're wondering why you see what's going on here, it's just because that's that's the way we see this. We think the New Testament supports that. And finally, the third thing is that it's character-focused. Um, we see that in the teachings of Jesus. We see that in the book of Acts uh, when they were appointing these, we think, maybe deacons at the time. And then, of course, the teachings of Paul. You know, we, we live in a culture, maybe this is always the deal, it's very gifting focused, right? That Then we even focus, my dream in life is to become, you know, a guy who can twirl a baton while riding a unicycle. I, if I could just get on AGT, I'll fulfill my dreams. And we never ask that guy, how's your marriage, right? As he's twirling his baton on his unicycle, right? We don't care as long as you're awesome. And, and we found that New Testament, New Testament leadership is the opposite of that. Our gifts are no more important than our hair color. Does that make sense? Because, okay, I'm really good at teaching. That's the same as I kind of brownish hair. That's graying. It's just something that was given to me for others. Never defines me, makes me better or worse. But the thing that I get to do is allow God to transform my character, who I am, whether I love, whether I can be humble, self-controlled, right? And then out of that, God can dump His power into giftings because He knows that you won't just... Uh, 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 Gunger used to say, gift on people. I'm gifting on you, right? I gift you like me, you know? So anyway, 
So here's kind of our summary of the New Testament. We've got global and local leaders and roles and then principles. There's team, men and women together, and character focus. Okay? All right. Trying to make this good and moderately interesting. All right. I was talking to the elders. They said, don't just read through that. It sounds like you're reading the bylaws of the church. It's awful. So I was like, okay. All right. Um, so how does it work at Believer's Church? We have a team of elders. It's divided, not really divided. There's two components. One's vocational elders, meaning others, they're elders who get paid to do this full time. And that's what we've called the leadership team. And over the years, that's what Roger and myself and Cindy were doing together. If you've been here long enough, Susan Seeley, Mark Pietzort. Um, and then we also have a team of elders that are non-vocational, meaning we don't give them any money to do anything. <laughs> and honestly, they put an enormous amount of time into this church. Um, we meet every week. Uh, together, we determine the direction of the church. So I'm not ever in a situation where I'm just making a call and doing it because I've got a people I not just have to work through, I want to work through. I've been wrong on several things that they said, ah, that's not what the Lord's saying, man. And I've been like, yes, it is. And I have to submit. And it's a joy because I was wrong. (laughs) I got saved some messes once or twice. So then we've got ministry leaders. And if you will, if you will, this in effect is kind of what we would call deacons. In effect. Uh, We've not used that language before until this very moment. In this very room, there's quite enough joy for one like me. Hey, anybody grew up with those songs? Yeah, my my daughter's doing this. Stop now. <laughs> We've got our trustees. These dudes are brilliant with finances, have the character of Christ. And guys, I can't tell you enough how critical they have been to navigate us through COVID. They have made hard decisions in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God has blessed us financially. Our finances have just been doing this and this. We, we, uh, that's enough. <laughs> COVID was scary. It was really scary. And we'll tell you another testimony at a time. But it, God has just been taking care of us like crazy. And it's because these guys are faithful and filled with integrity. Um, and they don't get paid. Small group leaders... Some of you guys are right here in the room, know what that is. And then our staff and volunteer leaders. Finally, we have an advisory council. 24-7 prayer has a group of, of folks that several, Roger's one of them, Chris and Craig Westhoff are on that team as well, that they they just advise us. John Peterson, Ken Yonke, some of those guys, you've heard them speak here. They'll come in, usually on a quarterly basis, just to say, how's it going? And it's so helpful to have a fresh perspective, apostolic perspective, kind of saying, why are you doing that, man? Don't waste your time on this um, and holding us accountable there. So that's kind of the way we're wired. Okay, so elder candidates today are, are people that the elders, the way it works for us is the elders pray together and put together candidates and put those in front of the congregation. And it's kind of like in the marriage ceremony where they say, if anybody out here knows a good reason this shouldn't happen, like this guy's running a gambling casino on the side and we don't know about it, although it's very lucrative. Uh, you, you know, but, or you're like, eh, then let us know. We need to know that. Um, this is, there, for, First Timothy 5.22 says, don't lay hands on anybody suddenly, meaning don't put people in this position too quickly. It's a really serious deal because of all the things we've already said so far, right? 
Um, so, I'm going to recite to you the character qualifications of elders. There's two spots where Paul talks about it. And then, uh, as I'm reading this, elders, if you guys want to go ahead and come on up and come up on stage, they're going to make this presentation. Paul says this to Timothy. So he sent him to Ephesus to assess their elders. He said, this is this saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a good work. The overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must manage his own household well and keep his children in control without losing his dignity, <laughs> without losing his mind. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert or he may become arrogant and fall into the punishment that the devil will exact. And he must be well thought of by those outside the faith so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught by the devil's trap. And Paul says to Titus, who's going to Crete to set some elders in place, he says an elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who cannot be charged with dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be blameless as one entrusted with God's work, not arrogant, not prone to anger, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain. Instead, he must be hospitable, devoted to what is good, sensible, upright, devout, and self-controlled. He must hold firmly to the faithful message as it has been taught so that he will be able to give exhortation in such healthy teaching and correct those who speak against it. So, I'm going to turn it over to the rest of the elders team to take us to the next spot. Historically, the way that we have made decisions, um, as the elders, we had been a support role to the leadership team. I love the, the beauty of the, the four-person and the three-person leadership team. And about five years ago, we as elders felt like the Lord was kind of drawing us into not just support them, but to lock arms with them. And so for us, it's taken us a, a while to hear the Lord <laughs> But we've probably for about five years started through this process of going, how do we help make decisions with the leadership team, not just support the decisions that they are making? And that was a huge shift for us. And so then we started to meet together. We used to meet quarterly, then kind of monthly. And now we meet every week for, for two hours. And, and much of that time we spent in prayer together for you guys, for them, and for what the Lord is doing. And so we started to move through this process of saying, I want to make my decisions and moving it from my decisions to what is the Lord deciding to do. And so we started, and that's a process. And so one of the things that we started to do is like, this is my opinion. Great. What's the Lord saying about that opinion? And so we've pushed back again and again with a group of this, this is your community of elders to be able to say, here's what we feel the Lord is saying. Here's what I think. But here's what I feel like the Lord is saying to us. And one of the things that we started to do is we started to challenge each other. And challenge us like, oh, I don't know if that's the Lord. And so it became this not support, but this linking arms with the leadership team. And so we have two elders that we wanted to uh, submit to be before you that we've discerned. And we feel like the Lord is saying, here's what uh, the Lord, here's what I'm wanting to do with these two individuals on staff with that process. And sometimes it's taken us hours um, I don't think we've ever made a decision in just hours. It's usually more like weeks and months. 
and even years because we're not in the hurry to get ahead of the Lord. So if he's not giving us discernment, we're like, well, we don't have discernment, so let's just wait. And that's hard because we want to make a decision. And much of what our skills and our talents and our abilities are our natural skills and talents and abilities that we've been promoted by doing. And people go, hey, you do that well. We have to actually put those aside and say, okay, this is what I feel like I'm wanting. But Lord, what are you saying to us? And if you're not saying anything to us, then we say, he's not saying anything to us. So we're going to wait to be able to do that. And so, um, do any of you guys want to add anything to that or anything before we, the process of how we discerned these two new elder candidates? Did I do it well? You'll tell me later in behind saying, yeah, here's where you missed it. Um, but the beautiful thing is we're not making decisions alone. We are making decisions together as a group. And it's such a beautiful thing to where when we were like, ah, we have differing opinions, very interesting differences. But to say, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. And we come into unity together as well. And so the two candidates that we have, we have Jonathan Free um, that we wanted to submit before you as well. And then Anna Lucas as well. So those are the two staff members that we believe that the Lord is looking at saying they're acting the character wise, as well as this is what the Lord is highlighting them to us to say this is a discernment process. So if you have any concerns or um, that I don't, we're not going to do this up here. We're not going to call you up here and, and read the letter for Paul from you guys. But we've got these, these concerns of um, bctulsa.com slash share. And there's a part of me that says that I'm afraid a little bit. I don't really necessarily care about your opinion. But I want you to hear what the Lord is saying. And if you say, hey, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying, I want to hear that. If you're like, I don't like his shoes. Or I don't think da-da-da-da. Great. But I really want to hear, what is the Lord saying to you? And take some time. We've been going through this process of prayer and discernment and listening. We want you to do that same thing as well. Um, other comments, concerns, corrections? Okay, let's, Jonathan, do you want to come on up as well? And then Anna, do you want to come up as well? Um, <laughs> yeah. We've known them a long time in their roles. Um, Jonathan was actually a student of mine, how long ago? 13 years ago, and so I saw him as little Johnny, you know, and these processes of seeing him mature in this role of becoming an elder, and this is a candidate as well, so Anna and Jonathan, um, we love you guys and, and care for you as well, very well, so. Okay, one thing I would like to say is what we have discerned is more recognizing what is, rather than say, let's see him in, let's throw him in the deep end, see if this works out, um, Jonathan, uh, God has borne fruit uh, through his years of ministry here. Uh, we've been able to see him in tough spots and also his growth through that. Anna with the collective, uh, vibrant community, we've seen fruit. And so when we're looking at this, it's, it reminds me of the prophetic word <laughs> about the dam we talked about last week. There's this beautiful dam, and then I don't think it's, an accident that Brooks started prophesying about or river flowing. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just started sobbing when, when I heard that because I just felt the presence of the Lord saying, I'm doing this stuff. I'm doing this stuff I've been telling you about. 
that the Lord wanted to disassemble what, what is, as beautiful as it is, so the river can flow. And there were younger leaders involved with that. And so this is kind of a big deal. Um, but I think it's what the Lord does. So we can do it in family, in joyfully, in hearing the Holy Spirit together and without any like crazy going on. So, um, yeah, you guys got really quiet all of a sudden. This is really unusual. Oh, yeah, Ken and Laura Weed are part of the elders as well. And I, you know, I want, guys, why don't you come this way? I want to I introduce, in case you don't know who all the, the you two guys. So you're not in front of this. So this is Matt and Molly Olson, in case you don't know them. Jet and Dana Stubbs, Tim and Anna Mae Cameron, Joe and Anjanette Spann, Victor Cruz, Lori Cruz is out with the, the kids, and Roger Nix and Donna somewhere, and then um, Ken and Laura Weed weren't able to hear. Ken's mom passed away this last week. We just celebrated her home going yesterday. But So that's, that's the team. Uh, you're welcome to talk to any of these guys. In fact, ask them really awkward and embarrassing questions. <laughs> I need to know what it feels like. Uh, yeah, so that's that. I, I didn't think through how to stop. Okay, yeah, ready to go. Yeah, th- thank you for the smattering of applause. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of Roger really quick. Have you ever noticed when Roger doesn't know what to do, he says, let's do a hand clap for Jesus. <laughs> so let's just do a hand clap for Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, I love you. All right, you guys may be seated. <laughs> Go ahead and have a seat. All right, let's stay together. <laughs> uh, I think for a lot of our college students, this is their first Sunday. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you have any concerns, please submit them to... It's on our website. It's this place where you can share. And so you just put stuff in there. And so we're saying, yeah, if, if you just feel like, man, something's wonky about that, please let us know. We will look at all of them and ask the Lord what to do and respond. Um, sound good? All right. Let's pray. Father, what is going on around here? We've gone from praying for Afghanistan. We've talked about covid talked about our prayer lives we've talked about leadership and we've got changes in leadership oh jesus we just say lord we're yours we submit ourselves to you and thank you that you are a good father that jesus you said you're the good shepherd that you're the one who knows how to direct your sheep and that you'll you'll take us to refreshing places and when it's scary We don't have to be afraid because you're with us. And in fact, you'll give us a three-course meal right in front of our enemies. So we never have to be afraid. So Lord, can we submit? Help us to submit ourselves to your shepherding, your leadership. Come get every bit of anxiety or anger or fear so that we can just joyfully be your kids for the rest of today and this week. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.